got to go quickly. It's a draw. It's a draw. And then she gets it back. Oh, oh you're kidding me. And the Sunshine Coast Lightning have achieved the unthinkable. Hi, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Inner Circle Podcast with Sherelle McMahon and Bianca Chatfield. We're chatting all things netball issues, the latest news, and there actually is quite a bit to get through, Bianca, this oh, week. Oh, good morning, Sherelle. There is so much to talk about. What an epic weekend. I know. I thought Pro- things were going to calm down after the World <laughs> Cup. <laughs> Probably the most epic part of it was that you are no longer the Vixens uh, Games record holder. Oh, I've now lost Now, Tegan Phillip has taken over your mantle as the most capped Vixen. How um, do you feel? Oh, look, you know what? I thought it would be broken sooner or later, to be honest, <laughs> and I'm unfortunately for Tegan, I don't think she's going to hang on to it too long because yeah, I, I feel like <laughs> our guest today and some of the other Vixens girls will probably take over that very soon. Yes. Um, but what a performance by Teagues, player of the match as well. Well, she'd be very happy with that. I mean, uh, milestone matches have not necessarily been kind to the athletes celebrating them in this year's Suncorp Super Netball. So, um, yeah, that was a good one for Tegan. Um, and you're right, we've, our guest coming up is uh, Diamonds World Cup superstar Liz Watson, um, playing with the Vixens, of course. Uh, we'll be talking to her about her experiences over there um, and coming back into playing with the Suncorp Super yes. Netball. Because let's be honest, that was a big talking point this week. <laughs> it was. On was... how people are returning into the games after such a short turnaround from that final. And I worked on two of the games on the weekend and I was a bit sick of asking everyone how they felt. But I thought, <laughs> <laughs> I knew I had to do it because it was actually what we were all interested in. But I was like, I'm sorry, girls, I have to keep asking you how you're feeling. Um, but let's start off with a Vixens game um, because I would love to get your insight. We saw Maria Falau pull out at the start of the game, or before the game, uh, and her her being replaced by Emma Ride, who has played for Vic Fury. When did Vixens find out that Maria wasn't playing and that Emma Ride was going to step in? Uh, Very uh, close to the start of the game, actually. So um, we had uh, a little bit of notice on that. And, you know, Emma Ride is someone that we know very well. Yeah, of course. she's been with the Vixens before and, as you say, as part of that pathway Has she been training with Vixens this year? No. Okay. No, so she hasn't been part of the group this year. Um, So, you know, know, the Thunderbirds goal shooting circle with uh, Maria and Sasha Glasgow in there, it's quite a moving circle. Definitely. when we saw Emma's name on there, we thought, oh, she could possibly get a run, would certainly change the look of things uh, defensively for us. So um, this is one of the uh, things that were brought in for these couple of weeks post the World Cup is the two extra players that each of the teams are allowed to include on their list. Now, not all of those players got an opportunity to, to have a run, but Emma was one of them mm-hmm. and what a performance that she had. And, and that's one of the great things about, um, you know, that extended bench and giving players opportunities where they may not have ordinarily had them. No, that's right. It was good to see her out there. I was quite intrigued though as to, you know, do Adelaide Thunderbirds need to let Vixens or Netball Victoria know that they're going to use one of their ANL players or not? Is that just something that can happen behind the scenes and... You don't actually have to inform well, the no, sporting you bodies. Don't, you don't until it's made official. Right, okay. Yeah, so there's kind of – I'm sure that – And I don't the, think she'd ever train with the Thunderbirds either. No, I don't think so either. But apparently – well, it was in 2017, their World Youth Cup team. So Tanya Obbs was the coach, Sasha Glasgow was a goal attack, Emma Rye was a goal shooter. <laughs> so it, it does make sense in the end. So 
good on Emma for getting out there and having a crack. Yeah, absolutely. And let's get into the biggest talking point um, in netball possibly this year. Um, certainly for the past week is the interplay between the – Magpies coach Rob Wright and his star wing attack Kelsey Brown. Um, let's have a little bit of a listen to the audio and how it played out out on court. I reckon so. I know you want him to have a look, but then I reckon then you're making one just longly. I reckon shorten up, change direction, get yourself into the play. So I reckon you, you, you get it on change what direction. What am I doing? Well, I just feel like I'm getting lots of like, I just need some positive. Well, ha- ha- how about do, do, doing some? Okay. You know, okay. r- r- rather, yeah. rather, because to me at the moment you're not. Okay. So I can't give you a positive when you're not doing it. All right. Okay, so that's the audio of, of how things played out there. Um, how, you were there, you were mm. seeing it all happen live. What, what were your initial reactions to it? One, I was loving that we had the microphones in there to listen to it. And I know people who... With your broadcaster's hat on. Yeah, with my broadcaster's <laughs> hat on. I know that was quite a fascinating insight. However, as a player, and if we put ourselves in that situation, I don't think there was anything said there that really surprised me at all or shocked me. I thought Rob Wright... Um, you know, even though it might appear that he was quite harsh, like I think he has a job to do as a coach and that's to give a message straight away. He is not necessarily in need of giving positive feedback all of the time. Um, I was intrigued when Kelsey asked the question around, I need positive feedback. Obviously, she's going through a very emotional time, exhausted from the World Cup, all of that. I get that. But I'm not quite sure that's the right moment to be asking for it either. And what it reminded me of is... Again, when we say, when we used to play. Um, but I remember Julie Hornweg when she was the Vixens coach. At one stage, and I would have been struggling with how I was playing, but I remember every time I went onto the bench, she would sit down and she would tell me all the things that I'd missed. Oh, remember that ball going along the baseline? You missed it. Remember that ball? You should have contested that. And in my head, I was like, oh my gosh, I just need some positive feedback right now and I need to look forward rather than just keep looking back at all the things Did that I stuffed up. Did you ask for it in that moment? Well, I didn't ask for it in that moment. I chose to wait till Monday when we were doing our review to go, hey, Julie, I really need to, like, even just one bit of positive kind of reinforcement just to help me when I'm out there because I am battling at the moment. So I chose that that conversation happened the next day rather than in that moment because I just don't think you have enough time. What did you think about it? Well, I, I mean, the reactions on the Twitter sphere were uh, quite extreme from one end to the other. From, um, you know, Kelsey Brown's a professional athlete and she should do as you say, just park that and leave it for another time and just get on with it and take whatever the coach is giving her. Um, to the other end of, you know, it was bullying, I heard um, oh, some gosh. people use from Rob Wright's perspective. Now, you know, Rob Wright has obviously got a, a a vastly greater coaching experience than anyone in this room. Um, but from a coach's perspective, what you're trying to do in any moment is get the best out of your athlete. Now, he obviously thought in he's got 90 seconds in that timeout to deliver a message on what he wanted her to improve. Um, so I think he's come out and said probably he would do things a little bit differently and maybe should have recognised in that moment that Kelsey needed a bit of of a massage, a bit of positive love there. But I actually, I don't think that Rob's done anything uh, outside of what would be expected Mm. of a coach. I mean, he's been, he was giving very direct feedback on what he wanted uh, to change. Um, And I think that probably if Kelsey had her time again, she might approach that little interplay a bit differently as well. I think that the truth of 
where the best scenario would lie somewhere in the middle there. I mean, yeah. maybe they could have both shifted their position a little bit, but... I mean, I, I've copped way worse sprays than that. Way, I was just way thinking, worse. imagine I, if the microphones were in the huddles <laughs> when Plum used to get stuck into us. Like, can you imagine? Oh, well, look, I, 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 I can't imagine actually. But, uh, but that's a thing and I think um, we've, give it, we've looked at one tiny snapshot of that interaction. We don't know what had been happening no. in the lead up to that. Um, what conversations had been had. We don't know what the conversations were that they were having on the bench afterwards. So we see that very small snapshot and we've got to understand that that is a very small part of a much bigger coach-athlete relationship. And I'm I'm sure that they've moved on from that. But I I think for me, this is a professional sport and when the coach is giving you feedback like that, you do have to be able to just go, yep, yeah. Thanks for that and move on and, and find that positive reinforcement perhaps in a different way. Absolutely. And, you know, I just want to um, acknowledge Rob and just his honesty too. So this happened just before halftime. And, of course, my job on the sideline is to interview a coach as soon as you come out of halftime. In my head, I'm like, great. I'm going to go and see <laughs> if Rob will talk about it. And Rob is the like one of the coaches who always says yes, no matter what's happening, yep. no matter how whether his team's under the pump or not, he will never refuse an interview and he will always be honest. Yep. So I really appreciated him being able to talk about it in that moment when he didn't realize how much of the you know we'd all seen and heard. Mm. Um, he obviously did he not? Oh he, no, he didn't realize how much we'd actually listened to it. Um, no idea. Anyway, I asked him. He said he potentially was a little bit harsh. He didn't want to go into details around what he and Kelsey had spoken about once she was taken off the court because I thought that was another um, nice thing that he did and went and sat with her and whatever they discussed in that moment is between them. Um, so he said he was a little bit harsh and then I texted him later on that night and I just said, hey, I really appreciate you you know, coming on camera and speaking about it with me. And he goes, I'm always happy to be honest and I'm always happy to admit if I've made a mistake. Mm. So I just think that's really good that he's prepared to do that. Yeah. And what I hope out of all of this, and you'll have a better understanding of this if you think this will happen, I hope coaches don't hide away from what they're saying courtside because of what we've just seen. Mm. I hope that um, there's an understanding by what the broadcasts can do to to not help the game of netball, but showcase people the real inner sanctum stuff mm. that it only helps our sport and it only helps people get an insight into what's actually going on. And I know sometimes it's very controversial and that, you know, you see Twitter blowing up and people don't necessarily like that, but I really like that we're showcasing more of our sport than just all the fluffy, positive, happy stuff all the time. Cause I don't think that's going to move our sport mm. forward. Yeah. And I absolutely agree with that. I wouldn't be surprised if there's, some tempering of conversations that have when the cameras are in the huddles. So are you going to stop ripping into Tegan and Katie on the sidelines Yeah, then? I'm going to stop ripping into <laughs> our guest, Liz Watson. Uh, I'm pretty harsh when I'm on the sidelines, I've I got to say. I can just imagine you blowing up. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, I, I'm, I wouldn't be surprised if there's some um, differences in the way the coaches approach that and making sure that those conversations aren't broadcast because then you're dealing with the ramifications of those conversations mm. on a much broader context than just dealing with it if it, that was that one-on-one conversation and then moving True. forward with that. So, yeah, I, I don't know how all the coaches will, will approach that. I, I hope so too because in the heat of the moment, you want that honesty. Um, I think 
um, you know, good on Rob for putting his hand up. I, I don't think he's made many. I think he handled the situation mm. really well. Um, but I also think that um, we need to look at athletes, not just, you know, we're seeing that 30-second interplay. Um, you know, this is an athlete who has had some wonderful and devastating and tough, you know, experiences over the last little while. So it's, you know, the holistic look at the at the athlete in those moments is still really important too and that yes. we take her response to that in that context hmm. um, because you can understand that she may have been feeling a little bit vulnerable and not quite as as tough and hard as she may ordinarily be. Um, it, I think it did actually give us a pretty good insight into how some of the athletes were feeling and, I mean, we've heard from a couple of the athletes on the back of that game saying, actually... We felt um, physically okay, but I think did Jeeva yeah, say she so felt Yeah, so I asked Jeeva again, "How are you feeling <laughs> at halftime?" And she said, "Physically, I feel okay. I'm okay out there. Mentally, I feel like I'm drunk." And you can kind of relate to that with her is that, you know, your body is a little bit, you can go and run and jump and do all of that, but it's when you're having to think and analyze yeah. and problem solve while you're out there. If you're not feeling sharp, it's very hard to do that. And so I thought that was a really good way for her to describe oh, yeah. that. And the players have been really honest. Yeah, they have. Um, Chelsea Pittman put up a post on Instagram saying, you know, she kind of was making out that we were all aware we had this time. We we're all aware it was going to be tough. Doesn't mean it's making it easier, but we have to find ways to work through it. And, you know, it is a huge talking point. Yeah. And one of the things that was floated prior to the scheduling was that instead of there being almost three weeks prior to the World Cup, there being a week taken away from the start and being put on the end. So the athletes would have had the extra week to get back into a, a routine and back into a proper full week of training before they hit their first game. So actually, yeah, so that's a good point. So I believe the negotiation between the broadcaster, so Channel 9 and Netball Australia was there would be four week break and Netball Australia could put it wherever they wanted it to be. And that's where Netball Australia decided to have more lead up time to the World Cup, um, I guess, than recovery time after. Yeah. And so it'd be interesting. It would be actually, maybe we'll try and chat to someone um, from that perspective on things as to whether they feel like that was the right thing to do to prepare the give the athletes that extra time at the beginning rather than the end maybe we'll we'll ask Liz Watson about that um, when she comes on shortly so um, you know that was an interesting one for me because I kind of feel like maybe that extra time now would have been more beneficial from an athlete welfare perspective mm. perhaps and then on the flip side you look at teams like Giants and Caitlin Bassett and Joe Harton and I thought that was one of the best games that they played all year <laughs> right. is that all of a sudden I don't know if it's just the pressure of the World Cup was off them and all of a sudden their combination started really working okay. well Joe Harton was on fire Jamie Lee Price had a cracking game in centre like I just felt like it all kind of came together for uh, yeah. the Giants whereas other teams not so much not so much and then you've got Caitlin Thwaites who had to run a go and I know. Here you go. Just do some extra. Sorry about that, Katie. I I thought that she uh, actually um, finished off really well. Have you got anything else or just... Well, I was interested about Shani's article that she wrote. I think it was last week and um, where she was saying uh, that... A lot needs to be a lot of attention needs to be put on player welfare, which we agree with. Absolutely, hundred percent. We've it's got to be a focus for coaches for everybody who's working in the elite netball program, um, <laughs> and so she was saying all of that. But I felt like she was alluding to the fact that it isn't currently a focus, mm. and 
I would love to get Liz Watson's thoughts on this in that, you know, I believe it is at the forefront of everyone's minds. If anything, a lot has changed in netball because that is a priority now. The load management, how much the girls are actually monitored every single day of their lives. Um, so it is definitely needs to main, be maintained as a focus, but I, I feel like it definitely is. And I feel like, you know, gradually netball and other elite sports are learning what athletes need around them these days because it's very different to when we played. Mm. It's a complete different landscape. Did you read the article? And yeah, what did I you did. Think? I did read the article. And I think, you know, we are seeing more and more in, in society in general and certainly in elite sport that athletes and people are are more inclined now to put their hand up and say I'm struggling on a mental side of things and I need extra support or or a break or whatever it is so I think that you know from a netball perspective we have seen a few um, athletes do that and Shani alluded to this too and that was her experience Um, and I think that it's a space that everyone is continuing to learn in. Mm. I'm absolutely sure that there are things we can continue to do better in. We can learn more about it. We can provide better support and acknowledge it happening uh, better. But that's just us as a society in whole, not just from an elite sport perspective. So I I, I agree with that point that Shani makes. But, yeah, I I do think that um, there is a lot being done around that player welfare space. And just before we move on to Liz, I want to talk about the Swifts because we were thinking that, you know, they had a cracking start to the year, lose Maddie Proud. We were wondering how they were going to go with four weeks off. Getting Kayla Cullen into that lineup, what a clever move. And they were able to go over there. Helen Housby had another had a cracking game herself. But to go over to Perth and to beat Fever and do what they did, I think they are the real deal and they keep proving it. Yeah, that's it. And, and this is what happens with really high-quality teams is that if, unfortunately, they get an injury, they're able to replace that and still find a way to get the job done. Now, the Swifts... Almost did that against the Thunderbirds. It was a draw just prior to the the World Cup. Um, They've won this game. It was a tough contest over in Perth. It always is. Um, They've ground out that win. And it could actually really... I mean, they're still out on top, clearly. Um, so, you know, those those little wins could actually just put them into a really great position to have a crack at it in the final series. I know, watch out. <laughs> watch out, everyone. Watch out. Um, we'll touch a little bit later on the games that are coming up and what we're looking forward to, but let's get on to our guest because we are very, very excited to be speaking very shortly to Liz Watson. <laughs> Welcome back to the Inner Circle podcast, Sherelle McMahon and Bianca Chatfield with you. We've got our guest in with us. Hi, Liz Watson. Hello, good morning. Good morning. Reigning Liz Ellis Diamond winner, recently returned from the World Cup. Lizzie, tell us about what the experience was like at the World Cup generally for you. Yeah, I had probably the best experience um, to date for my whole netball career and I think um, People might think it was a negative with the loss in the end, but I think overall it was just so much fun. It's something I'd never experienced before. Um, the group's amazing. Just every little thing that you probably don't see was the fun stuff. So, yeah, I had the best time. Yeah, and that's actually – it's a really good point, isn't it? Because, I mean, we're sitting back here watching you lose in such a tight mm. game and it's heartbreaking in many ways. But it's so great to hear that insight to, you know, this is your first World Cup experience and mm-hmm. – um, you know, it's great to hear that it was a really positive one for you. Yeah, absolutely. And I think even thinking to that final game, um, you know, we lost by one, but then when we played New Zealand, um, you know, three days earlier, we won by one. And it was just 
almost like the opposite game for us. Like mm. they played how we wanted to play and we played how they wanted to play earlier. So it was just kind of one of those games where I felt like I just couldn't do anything more and I was just trying to, you know, I felt like I walked off that court having left everything mm. on there. So yes, it does hurt and it was, you know, it was terrible to lose. But I think um, knowing that we couldn't really do anything else, so I felt like that. So yeah, makes it a little bit better. At one stage, you were telling me you had a day off, and um, you know there were that many Aussie supporters. You could you couldn't leave your hotel without mm. bumping into Australian supporters. It seems amazing to us back here that that it was so well supported over there, and so many Australians travel over to watch you girls play. Absolutely, we were staying at a hotel right opposite the fan park, so that was probably um, why there was extra <laughs> crowd. Yeah, but yeah. the English team were also staying at the same hotel, so that attracted a lot of fans. But we had an appearance at the fan park. And there was just so many Aussies there who had actually flown over for the World mm-hmm. Cup. They weren't like locals there. And um, they all say that they watch the um, Super Netball on the apps and they have their favourite players and they love all the Vixens. <laughs> <laughs> like, so What's going on here? And then even, <laughs> even the fact to, you know, walk out of the hotel to go and get a coffee, you're just getting stopped. I could probably, I'm a bit shorter and not really tall and blonde like my roommate <laughs> Gretel. So every time I went out with her, we'd get stopped all the time. But put on casual clothes, I could kind of weave through the crowd. But some of the English girls could couldn't leave at all and I remember um, someone saw Serena dressed up in a big puffer jacket and sunglasses and hats and everything and took it all off and she got into the cafe <laughs> she just wanted to get out and have that little bit of space so it's great it was awesome to have all the fans there but um, yeah just that little escape time got a bit got a bit tight. Now I'm sure you're sick of hearing about this but I'd love to get your views on it. You know, we know playing back-to-back games is very different to what you play here in Super Netball. You get a whole week off to, you know, you yeah. probably think that's so easy now in yeah. comparison. But what was it like having to back up every single day and then the occasional day off that you did have, what did you do to try and get yourself right? Yeah, I think um, hearing eight games in 10 days was just wall like center you actually yeah you get a bit scared thinking am I going to actually get through this but um you actually don't know what your body can do and until you actually do it and then I think to put a world cup um event on and then that kind of you almost run on adrenaline a little bit as well so I was thinking you know if I had to play eight games in Melbourne you know eight training days out of ten full-on court sessions you'd probably think that you'd you'd stop and yeah. you'd really struggle. But I think for me, the very early rounds, um, yes, we were having convincing wins, but they were almost harder games because you are attacking so much. And to score 99 goals, that's a lot of running. So <laughs> yeah. it almost ends up being a very physical game. Um, but I really focus on recovery early in the week. So um, to make sure that by the back end of the week, I felt a little bit fresh. So I honestly felt really good. I was actually very surprised. Um, I was living in those recovery boots probably two hours a day. Um, There was lots of physio, lots of massage. We got an extra therapist in for some help. Um, Everything was really recovery focused for us. So yeah, the options to have float tanks, the girls went and did that. There was um, spas and pools and all everything that Mm. you could imagine. Um, It was all planned before we left. So everyone had their own little recovery sheet and it had if you're feeling fatigued these are your options if you're feeling tired these are your options so um yeah I think it, it was being very diligent and making that almost more of a priority than I guess the 
the physical side of warming up and that kind of stuff. Now, is we don't like to talk about back in our day, but back in our day, <laughs> we didn't have any of that stuff. Me, <laughs> you didn't mention ice baths. There's Surely, no ice baths. Yeah, that's yeah, lots that's of ice baths. We did ice baths. <laughs> that's what our recovery yes, was. Lots and lots of that. Um, B, and you kind of alluded to it too that you were playing most of your time in centre. We're so used to seeing you in mm. wing attack in the Suncourt Super Netball. I'm sure that there are some people who go, you know, you're a mid-court player, you can switch between the, the positions, but they're completely different, aren't they? <laughs> so different, How yes. did you go switching the, the mindset into playing centre and, and physically how did it feel in comparison to your wing attack play? Yeah, I think the first point was that they were 15-minute quarters with no timeouts. So yes. that was probably a bit we of a change as well. We spoke about that last week. It was so nice having a timeout on the weekend <laughs> a couple of quarters. <laughs> yes. But so our pre-camp in Sydney that we had before the World Cup and the pre-camp in Manchester, there was a big focus on 15-minute blocks, yep. whether that was a, a match play quarter or a training component it was 15 minute blocks then we'll stop and have a break so that kind of conditioned us into that and I guess we all were match fit because we are middle of our season Mm. Um, but I guess adjusting to centre it it obviously is different in terms of um, I guess that I find the speed of wing attacks a lot more sharp and agility where centre's more running kind of (laughs) just running really (laughs) Um, but yeah I think I did lots of quarters in Sydney in centre and in Manchester probably more centre than wing attack so yeah I think just those first few games as well it was nice to sort of get into center and actually run out a full game in there and just see that you can do it um yeah so I think it it sort of worked a little bit a little bit how much extra responsibility or pressure did you feel on you with your leadership role being vice captain of the diamonds is there more meetings that you have to go to like take us through what that role entails um I guess it. I've been part of that group before, so I have had the conversations with the leaders about what actually goes on, but probably the one that was new to me was the selection meetings that we have prior to every game. So Caitlin Bassett and myself, we have a, a little catch-up before each game and we sort of come up with who we think should be starting the court and if this happens, what are we going to do? Who can we bring on? What are the possible options that we have? And then we go in to meet the coaches who have just had the same conversation as well and then we kind of come up together with, I guess, the best possible um combination and team for the start of the game and then you know if the ferns or the whoever throw on this player what does that mean for us what are our changes so I didn't realize how much depth actually goes into planning for a game you think you just got your starting seven and then we'll see how we go and whatever happens happens but there's lots of strategies and I guess tactics um, and not being too reactive to what opposition do but actually knowing you know we've got these options if they change it or we can do this to change up them so yeah that was really interesting and yeah it was a good good learning for me. And I was saying in our podcast last week that I remember, you know, my experience doing that um, Mm. as well. And, you know, it doesn't always go the way that you think either. Like the coaches could have a complete different idea and you've just got to walk out of that meeting and you're all on the same page no matter what's been decided and you've just got to back everyone in and off you go and convince all the other girls that way. pages and we're like, all right, we'll make it work. (laughs) That's fine. So it's nice to have the same messaging from them as well that we sort of translate back to the team too. So... I guess those little things just sort of seem seamless. And how did you feel? You know, we we spoke a little bit about the starting lineups for the semi final and the final being mm-hmm. so different. Um, was that uh, a big discussion as that was going on from your perspective as a as a leadership group? Um, yeah, I guess with the South African 
game, um, that probably was the biggest changes that we had in that in that semi. Um, and I think we sort of went more on matchups, and mm. and we're actually lucky we play these players week in in our SSN. So, um, you know, Katie had a really great game against um, Pumza back mm. home with um, Lightning. So we kind of went with that, knowing that you know, she could potentially be that difference that we needed. So I think having the insight to the players and actually some of them, they're our teammates, so we know them very well. Um, And I guess it's interesting, like Steph Wood was explaining the whole dynamic of the lightning defense and <laughs> she's like I'm just giving away all my secrets but, but right now we need this to win this game need. for Aussie so I'll tell you what we do at lightning so it's actually yeah it's tricky like that but um yeah that was probably the reasoning behind those changes and that's the thing you got to all come together don't you in those moments yes. and you've like yeah. put super netball to the side yeah. but then now you use all that intel for the yeah, next few weeks right. going forward yeah, absolutely. <laughs> how did you feel in that semi because sometimes that is bit more nerve-wracking than the final because you, you just want to get for an you know getting to that final for the opportunity to play off for gold and yeah. it was such a tight match and they came at you so hard yeah. in the end there semis are probably the hardest games I would say in a in a tournament style like that um like you said you just want to get to that gold medal match but it's not just a given and I think you could see South Africa wanted it mm. they were they were playing some really good netball not just at this world cup but in previous mm. um tournaments and tours and I think they had a lot to play for as well um so yeah they just kept coming kept coming I felt like the crowd was on their side a little bit too, which made <laughs> going for the underdogs. Going, That's all it yeah, was, Liz. Don't take it personally. Yeah. So, um, yeah, it was a tough one, but just to hold on, a win's a win. What was it? Yeah. Two goals or two something? Goals. I don't care. <laughs> <laughs> we got through. That's right. So, what happens now? We've um, there's been a lot of conversation, especially on social media. I don't know if you've been reading it or not, but around. What does a review process look like? What mm. do you actually have to do? Can you take us through exactly what it looks like? With Aussie? Yeah. Group? Yeah. So I guess um, it's tricky because we're straight back into clubland and we're almost just given back to <laughs> clubs and we'll see how we go. But I guess across the whole um, tour, our coaches and our support staff were talking to our um, club coaches and support staff as much as they could. And we've got a really good AMS system we call, athlete management system. So everything that we a feeling, how hard we train, how much we've been sleeping. It's all put onto that and that's accessed by every one in our Vixen circle for me and I guess Diamonds as well. So that, I guess, was managed really well. And I guess with review, um, we'll probably just digest the next couple of weeks and mm-hmm. then we'll probably touch base with Lisa and the coaches about an official review of the game. But, um, yeah, it's a bit tricky. We can't all get together and have that yes. team review. We had a little quick chat the morning after before we were um, – flying home but it wasn't anything in too much depth it was just sort of this is the handover period um if you need anything obviously we're all here um but it'll probably be more one-on-one conversations with lisa i would say in the next couple of weeks um but yeah we're back into clubs so you can't really come together as a a team and review the whole tour i I can't imagine you're in the greatest frame of mind (laughs) the next next morning morning. i don't know what you did to uh (laughs) celebrate the end of the world cup but i can't imagine you're all uh, fresh as daisies but anyway (laughs) although that has changed since i used to play as well but anyway um we'll talk you mentioned now you've handballed back to the the club land Mm -hmm. um you arrived on tuesday night straight back into we we saw you in at training on wednesday night didn't had some massive and stuff yeah such a quick turnaround yeah there's been a lot of talk about whether that was the right placement how, how did you feel out on court on Sunday um yeah I felt 
physically great and like um you said earlier about jiva and, and how she felt it just a bit blurry almost and a bit it, mm. it kind of did feel like that and it yep. felt like that for me probably all week as well and I think that was more sleep <laughs> I, yeah. I don't function with much, <laughs> enough sleep so it was probably that but um yeah I think yeah physically I did feel pretty good and I think we were very lucky with coming back home Simone had really made an effort and made sure that that Wednesday um, I'm going to try and get you guys in at 3 or 4 p.m. knowing that you're going to be tired at that time. So very sneaky but very yeah. clever. <laughs> um, and it was great. We had our physio massage. We were eased back into gym on Thursday morning. Very light session. Um, trained with the girls on Friday. But it was just nice to be back around the group. And I think for us, we're in such an exciting space with the Vixens to the back end of the season that you want to come back and, and I guess, be around each other. So, um, yeah, it was... I guess the sleep was probably the biggest one for mm. me. But, yeah, the weekend wasn't my best game, but we got through and we had a win. So <laughs> It was such a nice moment when you walked into the stadium on Wednesday night. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We saw a bit of that on the socials. And socials. Yeah. Uh, it was a really Absolutely. nice moment. Absolutely. I think all. for the girls too, they've been training with probably three or four back home. So Two. And two, sorry. There we go. Two. <laughs> no, that's not <laughs> Yeah, it was actually. It was only two. two. And then to get the other three back, we've, it's been a disruptive mm. process for them too. So I think they were just a bit relieved as well to have have our faces no back around. <laughs> now, we've been hearing a lot in the media about um, with Swimming Australia and a swimmer who has tested positive. I thought it'd be good for you to be able to give all of our netball fans uh, an insight into what the like, anti-doping policy looks like for you guys, like what measures you yep. put in place, how often do you get tested? Like I assume a lot of you would have been tested over at the World Cup. Yeah, it, it's a, um, a massive process and it's something that we're all obviously um, aware of that can happen at any time um, whatever training venue you're at whatever court you're at even whatever hotel you're at the ASADA officials um, can come and test you um, but I guess with netball we have been trained I guess in the ASADA certificate so every year you have to update that to make sure that you're aware of any changes to the Is that still like you know before selections how Lisa yes, and the Aussie really. team are like hurry up you haven't done your online yes, <laughs> Online ASADA, update you. your certificate. It doesn't or matter how good you collected. are out on court if you haven't done that Absolutely. certificate. <laughs> so I actually got um, tested at the World Cup. I yep. had a blood test, which um, mm. usually it's blood or urine. Yep. So I had the blood test. And yeah, as soon as I walked off the court, um, you can see the officials there waiting with <laughs> their clipboard like, with the me. name <laughs> that you have no idea who it is because it's all random. Um, and then from that point where they come up to you and say that, you know, you've been selected for testing, you must stay in their side at all times. So whether you want to go and have a shower or cool down or whatever it is you do post game, they're not going to stop you from doing that. They're just going to be watching, watching you. you the whole <laughs> the time. Whole time. So and actually watching you. Watching you until you provide them that sample. So it's, yeah, it's obviously a um, very serious um, topic and we have to take it seriously. And when I had the blood test, um, you know, you're the one who's, opening the bottles and putting them into the plastic and checking all the numbers so nothing's tampered with. So, um, And then you sit there and it had to stay there for 15 minutes before I could leave. So, yeah, it's very, um, I guess, diligent. Yeah, and when you are providing a urine sample, they mm -hmm. literally have to see it exit your body. Yes, so it's that quite is the confronting. criteria. It yeah. is actually yeah. quite Especially for young athletes, yeah, when it's your first it time. Yeah. And, I mean, as a female athlete, you always have a female chaperone. Yes. But, correct. yeah, it's one of the most confronting things yeah. that you do it, that no one – You could be busting, but you've just got stage fright. That's right. That's yeah. not yeah. Right there. <laughs> um, the other interesting one that you have mentioned earlier is about the, the supplements. And yes. 
I was really interested when I was hearing about the um, talks that you had with the dietitian around you guys don't even eat the balls that you can buy on the cafe counters anymore because that can have protein powder in it, which isn't tested. And the only supplements you have, correct me if I'm wrong, are provided by the club. Absolutely. So everything the club gives us is batch tested, Mm. which means that it's you know, tested to the nth degree on making sure that it is safe for us. So um, that's all all protein mainly, the protein powders and supplements. And I guess the ones you find at cafes in smoothies and protein balls, it's probably not batch tested mm. or you don't know. So um, you look on the menu and it says protein powder. What yeah, protein what powder? Is where yeah. does it come from? I never who's, would have even thought about that. Yeah, and it's, it's really opened my eyes, especially this year when our dietitian came in. Even like little balls you buy, like snacks at the supermarket mm. that say protein, um, high in protein or something. Like what sort of protein is making is it, it high yeah, and wow. how the milks up and go. All those little things that have higher protein. Um, it's just something to be aware of. And I think, um, you know, that that swimmer who knows what what has happened but it could have literally been a slip up in a yes. smoothie she got from her favorite cafe and i think people don't realize that it's those does that little make you things. nervous knowing Absolutely. that yeah. yeah i think even when you go and have your test you're like write down every supplement you've had yeah, and um and you're putting down okay. panadol anything <laughs> yeah. that you know is safe but just to be sure that um yeah just making sure that everything we have is from the Vixens and they've done every batch test possible. Oh, it is. It's such an incredible yeah. thing that you go through as an athlete. And mm. you, you you know, the, the hardest part is, I think, when you have a cold and you can't yes. simply go and take cold <laughs> and flu. Yeah. Like what normal people would do yeah. to help them yeah, get yeah, over yeah. it and feel better, you can't actually do any of that. Yeah. And I think we're very lucky that I've always felt lucky in netball that we've been so well educated all the time and had Absolutely. great people around us that we ring all the time. Can I take this? Can I take that? And, you know, they were <laughs> yeah. always on our side and yes. our sports I think been very good at that education yeah, process for right from lot. juniors under 17 yeah you, you know, start the you process know about then. it yeah hey I, do, I wanted to ask you a bit just a little bit more about your on-court play mm-hmm. you always top the goal assist stats <laughs> how what she's is, a hog what that's is it? why <laughs> <laughs> ask Kate this she'd be like give me a feed oh <laughs> uh, I don't know it's just sort of the, <laughs> the way that we work out but um, I think that's your job as wing attack. You need to get the ball to the goalers. So probably take it a little bit too literal and <laughs> have to do every one. But um, yeah, top of the circle edge is definitely my aim. So It's your home. <laughs> it's my home. So. Get out of my way. Knock you over yeah. if you're there. I think I get a few cheat ones where I pass it in and, and the goalers pass it back out and oh. then I feed it. That's two feeds, not one. That's so, true. Because they refeed. Double so dip. So when they do the little re-feed. shuffle step thing, you can get up to it's three feeds extra, in one it's pass. Not, it's not an extra goal <laughs> So, so usually, oh, true. It's not a, usually it's just a you would just go, just shoot it. Get a bit closer. It, it, it was back. like how I used to always try and compete with the wing attack on the centre pass receives as a goal defence. <laughs> like whenever I could try and get that stat as high as possible. I'd well, be I think Joe Weston goes for a goal assist every game. She yeah. loves a good goal. Every goal defence loves a goal assist. Absolutely. I mean, so even though some of mine went straight over the face. But that's okay. Sorry, Simone. Just occasionally. Just occasionally. Hey, the other question we asked on Twitter if there's anything that people wanted to know. The other one that came up was who's the toughest wing defence, both both internationally Ooh. and from a Suncourt Super Netball perspective. Maybe it's the same one. Yeah, for me in Super Netball, I think it's Ash Braz. Yep. She is so tough, so physical, so aerial, but just so smart as well. Mm-hmm. And she was just she's so fit. So it's someone that I always have a, a great game against. Um, and internationally, um, oh, probably. 
when I was playing center, Langman, of course. <laughs> with, of course, of course. I just nerds, love I seeing think. you play against Langman. Yeah. Like you're yeah, both just so fit and can run forever. It was an awesome contest. I actually contest. debuted against Langman when I started back in the day ANZ Championship. Ah. So um, definitely had some great battles against When she her. was in wing defence? or um, you, She was oh, no, no centre. I was more yeah, centre then. Center, so, yeah. Um, yeah, she's always she just doesn't stop running. But can have a <laughs> laugh as well. Like if you fall over or she'll be like, oh, come on, mate, you'll be right. Or has that little banter on court with you. <laughs> so, yeah, she's, she's a great Does player. anyone sledge on the court these days? Um, no, which I think... It's probably because you're just it's running probably, too much. Yeah, I'm chance. too tired. It's to more sleep. a goal circle thing when you've got a bit more chance yeah. to talk. I think it's more the commentary of the game that you, you know, help ball, yelling out that kind yeah. of stuff yeah. that, uh, that you're actually yelling at the umpires. But, um, yeah. Another question that people keep bringing up on Twitter is, is around the imports for Super Netball. Mm-hmm. Are you all for unlimited imports or would you like to see it restricted? That is a very tricky, very <laughs> tricky question. <laughs> um, it's, oh, look, it's so, I love that Super Netball is the best competition, I would say, in the world. And even being in Liverpool, you hear how much people watch it and love it. Um, so I think to keep it strong, and, and I think you need the best players to keep that strong. But then on the flip side, I do want to see young Victorians come through yeah. and you'll probably see a diamond one day who hasn't played SSN because mm. they've had to go play you know Super League in England or maybe over in New Zealand before they get a chance at that diamonds level so you kind of still want to protect the diamonds um, I guess development and yep. uh, so yeah it's it's very tricky but if you can give these players the options to go play in England or New Zealand if they're not getting a spot in Super Netball um, that definitely has to happen. Too. Yeah, just so broaden our selection yeah. horizons in a way yeah. that yeah. you have to look elsewhere. And yeah. and I think Kim Revillian was one example yes. of that. She didn't play ANZ Chance yeah, before she until, got selected. Yeah, I think. Not yeah, a bad that's effort. true. And yeah. it's, it is a really tricky question depending on which hat you're wearing and yeah. and how you look at it. And you're so many stuck right angles. in the middle. <laughs> you're stuck right yeah, in the middle. When you play a team with uh, so many imports, you're like, oh, it's just all the just imports. <laughs> But then you want them on your team. So Actually, do you know what's an interesting... So I, again, read this on Twitter um, that, you know how we used to, or I used to get really annoyed at the, the tall shooters in the game and thinking, yes. oh, we're going to spoil the game because we're just going to find the biggest person and putting them at goal shooter. Mm-hmm. Where now we're seeing the top four teams both have very versatile attack mm-hmm. ends, moving yeah. attack ends, and the yeah. bottom four teams are the ones that are relying the on the big shooter. Mm-hmm. So and, the, and this is done a, a complete flip. All sport kind of evolves, isn't it? Yeah. You know, there's there's times where a certain style of play works and then the tactics around that kind of change yeah. and, you know, you, you kind of have to be able to, to move with that, um, which is really important. Hey, Liz, you've got, um, lastly, you've got a couple of tough games coming up over the mm-hmm. next few weeks leading into finals. Um I'm interested in what, what you learnt from your World Cup experience and Com Games experience last year and the last few years of um, trying to get to that end point with the Melbourne Vixens. What, what have you learned over that time that you'll be taking into this last part of the year and hopefully uh, pushing further into the final series? Yeah, I think um, I love – I actually love playing in those big games and um, someone asked me yesterday, how, how was your preparation for the World Cup final? Like, what did you do? How did you – and I was like, I honestly didn't do anything different. You're in such a routine. You know what works for you. And so every game you do that. Um, and I think, you know, when people say, oh, it's just another game. Like, I, it's not just another game. It's the World <laughs> Cup final. Like, there is difference to yeah. it. But I think um, just keeping it, like, simple and keeping it, like, what works for you. And I think um, at the Vixens, we have had some, you know, we haven't won a final in a <laughs> few years probably, I think. 
can't remember how long, but it's been a while. So we're getting there and then we're dropping off. So it's probably just knowing that keeping the group sort of in this positive mind from now. So we've got four games left. So that when we get into the finals, you know, we, we don't, we're not scared of finals because as Victorians, we play for finals and mm. we've always been in finals. So I think it's um, not getting to finals and think, all right, we're in finals. Like, what are we going to do? What are we going to change? Like, yeah. nothing's going to yeah. change. Let's start this now. We've got four really good games. This is the best possible preparation for finals. So, um, yeah, it's exciting. It's um, going to come around really quickly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we'll see how we go. Yeah. But, yeah, it should be good. Yeah, very good. Yeah. All well, right. Thank well, you, Lizzie J, for coming okay. here. Yeah, it's been welcome. so, and I'm not surprised that that final answer is you know, you just keep everything balanced, everything <laughs> yes. easy. The cruisiest chick out there on the yeah, court. Yeah, I know, <laughs> yeah, I've no advice. What advice do you give to young kids? No, but this mm, is, but that is, is the calmness. <laughs> that is. And actually, yeah. it's that's not true because the advice is you know what works, and yeah. so that's what you do. It doesn't yeah, have to have changes. a massive spike or change when the situation around you around you changes. That's one of the things. I love about you, Lizzie, and why you are such a brilliant leader, both with the Diamonds and the Melbourne Vixens. Congratulations on everything that's happened over the last couple of weeks. And, you know, as the Vixens assistant coach, all the very, very, Let's very, go. very best <laughs> as we lead into the finals. Thanks for okay. coming in, Lizzie. Thank you. Thanks, Lizzie. Be how fantastic to have one of your good mates, Liz Watson, oh, in the studio with us this morning. Lizzie J. Oh, wasn't she great? Love her work. Yeah. yeah. And I think just really interesting just to get her insights into it all too because I, I know a lot of our listeners wouldn't know about the in-depth um, drug testing and the process behind it and the education the girls have to do. You know, it has to be so thorough just so that you do get it right. Yeah, and also I actually was really interested in the insight around the feedback that the leaders give for her and Seabass into the selection of the team too. Didn't you used to do that as yeah, yeah, El Capitan? Did. Yeah, but it was it's just you know, it's just interesting hearing that too, as to how that actually happens. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah. What are you yeah. looking forward to this week? There's some big games coming up, Sherelle. Well, every game from now on is big, isn't it? The fever is still in the hunt for a finals position, but they need to start winning. So our <laughs> yes, game yes, our game very quickly. Our game against them is going to be huge for for both clubs. So I'm looking forward to that. But probably what I'm looking forward to most is that um, battle for fourth position. There's only three bonus points that separate the Giants and the Magpie. So the Giants have won three extra quarters, which puts them up into the top four position. Mm -hmm. Um, So Giants up against Firebirds and Thunderbirds against Magpies. Those two games are just massive, aren't they? Well, just what I saw last week, I... I'm going to say Giants are going to take that fourth position. I think they're going to hopefully get better and better and better off what they produced on Sunday. Uh, And I thought the Thunderbirds, they are getting closer and closer to snatching a win. And, you know, I thought they were impressive against the Vixens last week. Yeah, definitely. And if, you know, Emma Ride's still out there, I think that they're (laughs) going to challenge the Magpies this weekend. But Lightning and Swifts Mm. is probably the one that we're all going to be keeping an eye on. Top of the table clash. I mean, I don't know who wins this one. It's hard to pick. You, do you go the mastermind in Nolene Tarua and what she could possibly do with the Lightning? Or do you go with the Swifts who just continually keep impressing us every mm. single time they step out there on court? Yeah, it's going to be... An- Give me one. Come on, Sherelle. Oh. Put yourself out there. Who's going to win that one? Ooh. I don't know. I'm going to go for the draw. 
Oh, is that allowed? <laughs> Sit no. off the fan. <laughs> Jeez. I'm going to go lightning. I think there's going to be a draw. Oh, well, I, I mean, there's so much to look forward to there. And, you know, we've spoken quite a bit today about the impact of the athletes coming back from the World Cup on that first game. Let's keep an eye on how that impact continues to happen too because don't think that um, this has been considered just for one week on how those athletes are going to recover and come back into the system. It's a, a very long-term look on things from a club perspective because we're also aware that sometimes it can take a little while for those yeah, to set in. things to, to, come, to come back and affect athletes. So we'll certainly be keeping a close eye on that and, and how everyone's managing those um, situations over the next couple of weeks too. We sure will. Great so. job today, Shay. Yeah, it was, uh, it was fun again. Thanks, everyone, <laughs> for tuning in to another episode of The Inner Circle. Uh, be sure to uh, rate us, particularly oh, yes. if you want to give us a five-star rating. That would be great. Yeah, only five-star. Yes. <laughs> Thanks, B, and we shall see you again next week. Bye. Bye.